You are listening to Probation. We work hard and smart with the aim of keeping our Bay Area community safe. Each month, we will bring you what probation does and why it matters. And yes, you get to know the people behind probation. We are keeping it real in the Bay. And now to our show. Hello, Chief. I'm really excited to speak with you today. But I want to give just a bit of a recap. When we were planning the show, you requested that we speak to our contracting process, and we did that. In fact, we also spoke to a service provider. And we have also touched base with our research team, Chiefs. And next month, I'm excited because we're slated to speak with some of our DPOs and staff that are doing the amazing day-to-day work. But today, I wanted to come back to you, Chief, and talk to you specifically around your vision. And also have this conversation around past, present, and future in the work that you have done. Because I think it's really important to see this best practices or this perspective from someone who has been doing the work for, for a considerable amount of time. And there's a lot of value in that. And so I wanted to have that discussion with you today. So welcome, Chief. Thank you, Fina. Glad to be here. All right. Now, for you out there listening, I will link episode one so you can listen to Chief's bio and our first podcast in case you missed it and want to know more about our chief. But today, we will go straight into our questions without the bios. The first question, Chief, looking back throughout your career, what are some important lessons you learned in your journey? Well, looking back in on my career, um, certainly I've seen and experienced that the reason why I got into the job and the reason why I continue to stay in this career, my why, so to speak, has changed over the years. And I think in reflecting upon that, it was important and it was essential for me to do that because as I um, got into different positions and assignments, um, I had different responsibilities, different day-to-day Uh, jobs that I was responsible for. And so really, you know, when I first started, I was very much, you know, at at the very entry level, working part-time here, working directly with youth at our juvenile hall and at our camp. And so um, was really boots on the ground where all the work is happening. And then as I got into the deputy probation officer series, and then as a unit supervisor, uh, you know, all the way up to where I'm at now as chief, um, my distance has grown uh, away from the actual boots on the ground work. And so I had to find other ways to motivate myself, other other ways to find uh, value in the work that I was doing. And so, you know, when I look back and reflect, I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway that I have and that I try to, uh, or I've tried to pass on uh, at least over the last several months um, to other people that, you know, the reason why you do this job it may not stay the same, but that's part of being aware of, of what you're doing, why you're doing it. And in some regard, you have to um, look for different ways to, you know, find the, the reasoning by why you're doing uh, your, your current job today, because that may be uh, distinct from the way that you started off in the department or as a career. And that's really interesting, because you did mention before we had talked about it briefly that from the start to now, it's so different. And so I think bringing that clarity of, of 
taking a look at the why is so valuable. So thinking about the present, where we are today, what is a key opportunity that you think we have in our industry that's important for the work we do now? Well, I think a key opportunity for us right now is maintaining our relevance uh, in the community and with the Board of Supervisors, the general public, the people that we serve. You know, our job has changed so much from when I first started working here to where it is now. And there's many people, unfortunately, that don't believe in, in what we do or that we do a good job of it. And so I think it's really incumbent upon you know, us as a department and as an industry to always be assessing um, the impacts of what we do, always looking at how legislation is going to impact us and, and change us. And so there's an opportunity there for us to maintain our relevance in what we do. But then also um, to do that, we have to do a better job of um, some self-promotion uh, of the actual work that we do, um, not be reactive, but be proactive. There's a lot of good work that goes on throughout this agency from our facilities to our field services, to our programs, to our reentry. It's just uh, a lot that goes on that we tend to just keep insulated and we just do the work, uh, which is great, but I think it's important for us to share the work that we're actually doing by uh, opening up ourselves, being a little vulnerable, letting people in, letting people see the, the work that we do and the impact that we have and um, the impact that we can, you know, can have on, a, you know, on, a, on the greater good for, for the community and the people that we serve. Wow, that's really good. And you know, it just made me think when you said that one of the things that stood out for me was be proactive. I have recently been looking at Stephen Covey's work again, because he has so much work around this idea. And I think he really speaks to integrity, which I think is so much of the work that you aspire to do in, in what we do as an as a department. And so I really that really struck out for me because to me being proactive is one of his seven habits, right? And it's so important. It really would help our relevancy if we have that mindset. So I think yeah, that, that's and, great. And I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the word integrity. That's you know, for me that's one of my pillars. That's you know, that that's something that at times I struggle with because I take this job and I take my responsibility very serious. And so I want to be able to stand by my word and say, you know, to whoever's asking me or if it's before the board of supervisors or anybody that we're actually doing what we're supposed to do and that I, you know, am a person of my word and I want to be able to stand behind, you know, what I say that we're doing. And, and as a department, we need to, you know, maintain integrity and not that should not only be, you know, what one of my pillars is, but what this department stands for as well. Wow, that's so good. And we're, you know, trying to lead by example, right? Now, you know, in interviews, Chief, whether it's for a job or for a conversation like today, there's always this thought of our challenges, and to some extent, our hopes. With that, looking ahead in our world, five, 10 years or longer, let's say, what hope or challenges do you see coming, and how do you think that we can get ahead of, ahead of them? Thank you, Fina. That's a great question. I've touched on it a, a little bit, and you know, a big one that I don't really think that people 
at least from my perspective, are really um, understanding the um, the critical stage that we're at, um, you know, with the probation industry and, and probation in, in California. Uh, you know, we just went through or are going through realignment of the in the juvenile uh, division with the realignment of the youth that used the young people that used to be at the Department of Juvenile Justice now being here locally. And so there's a shifted responsibility with that is, um, you know, it's a huge task for us. Uh, we now have youth with us for a longer uh, period of time, but we also are very highly scrutinized. I went through this with AB 109 and adult realignment. Um, certainly there's always been focused attention and rightfully so on our younger population, but really it's, it's incumbent upon you know, us as a department and probation as an industry, uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, to maintain our relevancy and really to, you know, show that we are, you know, community supervision and community corrections professionals. We are very much capable of doing what we've been tasked to do, um, but we're going to be doing that under a lot of scrutiny, and people need to understand that. We can't just maintain the status quo and, and believe that that's going to get us through and that people are going to be satisfied with that. There's a lot of critics out there. There's a lot of people that um, think that we should do things in a different way. And I think that we need to be aware, you know, of, of that, um, you know, that stance or that platform that people have, but that shouldn't dissuade us from um, moving forward. And it also should not dissuade us from listening and, and taking, you know, maybe pausing at a time, uh, to see what people are actually saying and if there is, you know, ways for for us to incorporate some of what people are suggesting um, to further enhance what we're doing. But I think that, you know, five years from now, um, you know, I think that we hopefully would have established, uh, you know, a firm, solid foundation and, you know, ex expanded the, the work that we're doing with the younger population. I think on the adult side, there may be, you know, some, another in increase in the population uh, that is, you know, served by probation, and, and I'm talking about uh, parole. Um, that's, you know, nothing that I've heard is, is set in stone, but that's a possibility, you know, as the state looks to see, um, you know, where their resources are invested in. And I think that we just need to be uh, nimble and agile and be, you know, willing to um, make changes when we need to. Uh, but also highlighting, you know, the the good work and the and the solid foundation that we already have that exists. That's a really great answer, Chief. You know, we talked about this before, and and I really appreciate that because how I understood it, and I really liked the way you said it when we had uh, originally looked at this question, is you had said that we needed as an industry to challenge ourselves, to challenge staff and continuously evolve. And in a way, do this self-assessment that you're talking about, right? Like take, listen to what other folks are saying and do the self-assessment. And you said something very interesting to me. You said, it's not a hope. It's a challenge. And you said, like now we need to be nimble. Can you speak a little bit to that? It's not a hope. It's a challenge. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I'm very intentional when I say that, that, you know, it's not a hope. Like when, when I say hope or when people say hope, I almost feel like they don't really believe that you can do um, what they, you know, are, have been challenged to do. And so I say challenged because, 
you know, for me, when people challenge me to do something, then that's, that's, you know, for all sense and purposes, when I do some of my best work, even when I may feel like I'm, um, you know, maybe a little self doubt in there or wondering how am I going to get this done? Um, it, you know, if people were to say, you know, I hope you get it done or good luck, then to me, they're, they're kind of expecting me to, to fail or to fall flat on my face. And so a challenge, you know, I'm trying to motivate, uh, everybody that, you know, this is real, but this is something that I've seen this department challenged over the years in many aspects and we get through it. Uh, we may not, you know, get the outcomes that we want every single time, but I think that we get through it. And I think that we have a lot of good staff here that are going to be able to, you know, see us through the challenges and um, overcome the obstacles and the barriers. Uh, and they're going to learn from it. And, and that's what we've done over the years. We're not perfect. And I don't think anybody, any of us would say that we're perfect, but I think that um, you know, we've banded together and we've overcome. And that's why I say, you know, I challenge, you know, this department and I challenge the probation industry to, you know, do what they need to do to get the job done. Because over the years, uh, we've gotten the job done and it's, you know, it's going to, there's always going to be issues that come our way, but we shouldn't shy away from them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, seeing the staff and knowing a lot of the staff members that we have, I think we're up for the challenge, Chief. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, I want to pivot here and ask more of a fun question. (laughs) And I asked you this way back when we were testing the equipment. I don't know if you remember. So I'm going to bring it back because I had a lot of fun when I asked you the question. (laughs) Now, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life or a last meal, however you want to see it, what would it be? So it's going to sound funny to to some, but people that really know me, I think, will you know, understand, but it it would be a burrito. And just the, for me, the, you know, a basic, um, good burrito. So I don't need the, um, the guacamole, the sour cream, because I'm too cheap to even (laughs) order a burrito that way. I just keep it simple, either carne asada or, uh, al pastor and I'm good. And I mean, I could, Fina, I could eat a burrito every single day oh and I'd be goodness. happy. Oh my goodness. And you know, it was funny because we were talking with Tamika, if you remember, and she was talking about French toast. Mm-hmm. And she right away said, no, we're going to give you your guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give you that guacamole for the last meal. <laughs> anyway, so keeping it light and relevant. What are three other podcasts you'd recommend to our audience and why? I know you listen to podcasts. I know you like them. I do too. And for me, I really, you know, I go on my walks and I'll listen to my podcasts or you on your drives. So what are the three podcasts you'd recommend to our listeners and why? So there's one that I have um, listened to for, you know, I don't even know how long it's been around, at least probably close to five years and I know that some people in our department listen because I've talked to them about this podcast, and it's called Ear Hustle. And it was a podcast that originated out of San Quentin State Prison. And I really started first listening to it probably right right before COVID. It, it was maybe a year before COVID because I did a, 
uh, a tour of San Quentin, and I was so happy because I got to see um, the room where they do all their planning, and and on the whiteboard they had you know some of the things that they were planning for the upcoming season, and it was just so um, awesome and fulfilling to. Uh, after listening to their their full season to see where they actually get the work done. And it really helped me because early on when I first started uh, listening, I was kind of at a at a crossroads, you know, here with my career. Uh, I was at the time a, a deputy chief and um, going through a transition with our, our new chief and, you know, working very hard on, you know, on good stuff, but v- very busy. Um, but some of the episodes that they had talked about reentry, talked about uh, program services, things that did not go well for people that were released on parole or, or in some uh, cases were released on post-release community supervision. And so it was good for me to hear the perspective of the the clients, the people that you know we do all this work for, and it was good for me to hear that and listen to that. And so I'd always look forward to uh, when their episodes come out. Now they come out, I think, every other Wednesday, so I still look forward to the episodes coming out. But Ear Hustle is is a big one for me. And then I did think of two other podcasts, but if I may, I want to talk because I've really gotten into YouTube over the years oh, as yes, well. So there's yes. two. Um, two people on or two YouTube channels that I follow. And the first, because I love to eat is a foodie and his name is Mark Weens. And he just travels across not just the country, but the world eating different kinds of food and uh, just watching him. I mean, you can see on his face when he's eating, like he's, his expressions. And it's just so interesting because he gets into the culture as well. You know, maybe that'll motivate me at some point to actually do some traveling and, and leave the country and, and visit some of the places that I've seen. So he's definitely somebody that I follow on YouTube. And then the other one that I'm really into, and some people are big fans, it's like either people are really big fans of Deion Sanders or not. So his son has a YouTube channel called Well Off Media. And um, if it basically they um, do uh, upload YouTube um, videos every day, I think it is, um, and basically following Deion Sanders as he's coaching at the University of Colorado. If you, you know, take away some of the, um, you know, some of the, the fluff, what he says and how he coaches the players on his team and how he interacts with his kids and and his family, like I, I really uh, respect him a lot, and I think that he has a lot of good things to say. Like if it, if my kids were going to to play football or play any sport and they were coached by somebody like him, I would be very secure and be very happy. I just think that. Uh, he's doing a lot of of good for uh, those young people that he's coaching. Like I said, there's there everybody has critics. There's people that like him. There's people that don't like him. I'm all about him right now. Oh my goodness! And you know what? You know, uh, I'll say three things to that because I think you said some great stuff. I think it was President Roosevelt who said this, and it, and he said something to this effect that it's not the critic who counts or the person that's doing the doer of the deeds. It's really the credit is how I understand it. The credit goes to who's actually in the arena, right? Who's really doing that work. And I don't remember the exact uh, quote, but I do remember that uh, I think it was Brene Brown that brought it up in her, in her Ted talk or in one of her speeches around this concept of daring greatly. It's 
to this effect of, or to this idea that unless you're daring greatly and in the arena and putting yourself out there, I really don't want to hear the critic, right? I don't really don't want to hear the critique. And I love that quote. And I'm going to go ahead and put the quote in the show notes so you have it because I know I'm like butchering it. (laughs) So I apologize for that. But I really love this quote. I love this concept of show up show up. And no matter how it is that that you do it, whether it's less than perfect, it's okay, but just show up. So I, I really thank you for that, Chief. And then the what you spoke about, we'll go ahead and link all the, the YouTube and podcasts in there. But you know, one of the things that stood out is this idea of a coach. Now I go running. And so I have my coach in my ear for running. And I tell you, they tell they teach you much more than running. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can definitely see this concept of Coach Sanders. And you said it's football? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. By the way, the Niners won, right? Yeah, I'm uh, a Raider fan. Uh, the Raiders won too, though. Okay. All right. The Raiders won too. So, and then the other thing I want to mention real quick, you, you said about the foodie part, and you did mention Mexican food with a burrito, and um, Bourdain used to, I mean, he's passed away now, but he used to say that his favorite and to him, the food that had the most delicacy for him was Mexican food. So I think he'd be on board with your burrito. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I could eat a burrito every day. I could eat Mexican food every day. I just love it. <laughs> well, I cook it almost every day. So now moving on chief, thank you for that, by the way. Um, I do have one final question. Now, what occupation other than your own now, would you like to try? So this is <laughs> this is going to be funny to some. But again, for people that really know me, I've been talking about this for years. So my dream job, especially, you know, as I as I get towards the end of my career and, you know, I'm not ready to when I retire, I don't expect that I'm going to be fully retired um, but my dream job has always to be has always been to be a groundskeeper for the Oakland A's. Oh my! And goodness. so you know the irony of that is you know I'm, I'm finishing off my career here, and then the A's are you know supposedly well I think they are going to be leaving to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. But um, I just well one I'm a I'm a Oakland A's you know diehard fan, and I have just always wanted to. Uh, have that job. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of, you know, of doing hard work and really in my next, you know, phase of life, I'd like to do a job to where, uh, you know, at the end of my day, I see the finished product. That's one thing that I'm missing from, um, you know, the, jo- the job that I have now. I spoke, you know, several minutes ago about, you know, no longer being the boots on the ground. So I don't get to see the direct, uh, impact that we have day to day with clients or with those uh, those under our supervision, and so you know, like for me, I love mowing my lawn on the weekends and to put the time in to do it. And once it's done, it's you know, I'm like happy about it. it looks good, and um, you know, I would just love that would be my dream job to be a, a groundskeeper for oh the for a professional team or a college team. So fun, and you'd have first access there too, huh? Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, Chief, thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy schedule and sharing your words of wisdom. We're going to close our show for today. To you, our listeners, we hope you found it engaging and at the same time real. We're the people of probation. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you for listening to Probation. We want you to know that we care about our clients, our staff, and you. If you want to learn more about probation and join our amazing team, head on over to our website at probation.acgov.org.